Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now, driving at your desk. Maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hey guys, Paul here. Great news. We now offer our premium content on Patreon and Apple. Yes, men is here. So if you search Cricket Unfiltered on the Apple Podcasts app, you can see Cricket Unfiltered Plus, which is our premium content, including Menas Masterclass and Dennett's Deep Dive. Also, we're on Patreon, so you now can subscribe on both Patreon and Apple. The links to subscribe are in the show notes. Hello, everyone, and a welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Andrew Menzel. I'm joined by Jaleesa Apps. Hi, Jaleesa. Hello. Hello. And a Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? Good. G'day, everyone. G'day. So, g'day. <laughs> um, well, firstly, let's a um, lot to cover. Obviously, Australia's debacle against England and this um, tanking T20 World Cup campaign. We've got to pay tribute to three former great Australian cricketers who've passed away. And then there's been a fair bit of ashes news swirling around the last couple of days. And then we'll bring it on bring it on home with your favourite, Paul. We've got a, an email from America about cricket, so I know you'll be happy. I love it. I love it. And then we've got Can't Let It Go to finish off. But, look, I just want to um, clear something up. So I've been complaining a lot about Jaleesa's failure to acknowledge her existence on this show and doing radio spots. Well, she finally broke the duck. Have a listen. My uh, my co-host, actually, I do this um, podcast with Cricket Unfiltered, and my co-host, Menas, and I are in absolute war at the moment because he wanted him dropped. Oh. So he did the warning and said he needs to be dropped. But... Well, well, at this stage, you're right. Well, there you go. Well done, Jaleesa. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. I didn't actually realise how loud that was. It was loud when I was there. We were at the Sporting Globe in uh, Darling Harbour in Sydney 
and God, you really cannot hear us, can you? And wait for a good time for me to drop the podcast when you can't hear it. <laughs> Sounded good though. It had a bit of atmosphere. I liked it. Oh yeah, that was absolutely packed down there. So that radio spot went awesome for Jaleesa and I actually went oh, on no, the same radio you... station the next oh. day and, and did a great spot promoting the podcast. But then on Sunday, no. Jaleesa jumped on to wrap up the T20 World Cup match against England. And oh. well, look, I, I wasn't going to share this bit of audio, but when no, you were always S- when SEN tweeted right out now. the audio, I thought I'd do the same. So this is Jaleesa just dropping one at first slip. Oh, God. But Steve Smith's role in that team is to steady the ship and get everyone else on strike when it's, you know, when it's all going to mm. shit, he can, you know, mm. come in and, I don't know if I can say it on the radio. Just, just do it. Don't worry about can... it. That is such a passive-aggressive, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> no, they were really nice to me about it because I was like, oh, no, I did a swears. Well, I've done like a forensic uh, audio um, rehash and listened to the audio. You can hear you can hear the the producer or somebody making this noise when they wake up and realize they've missed because they've got a button in radio where they could dump that. But but I was asleep. You know, when it's all going to Mm. shit, he can see that. That's just someone waking up at the end. They're going. No, it's not. (laughs) It's it's fun to say. But that's not someone waking. It's just a random noise. They probably don't have Jaleesa on a seven-second delay, although they, they, they might they now. Don't. <laughs> they, they don't. Yeah, they've got me on pre-recorded <laughs> segments from now on. <laughs> they don't have this. That is myth, the seven-second delay. It doesn't happen. But um, I I was mortified about that, and I messaged the producer straight away. I was like, I am so sorry. I did a swears. I'm very sorry. But they said, no, no, it was funny. Chris, it, I was on with Chris Warren. They were like, he thought it was funny. Don't worry about it. And they actually called me to make sure that I wasn't too upset about it. <laughs> I was like, well, whatever. We can't take it back now. Can I? But I've decided I'm getting a swear jar because you know what? In a roundabout way, this is your fault, Menas, because I'm used to being on podcasts where you can edit things later. And I don't know if you edit out my swear words or not. I don't know. But I'm just getting a real potty mouth, and I've really got to get myself a, a naughty jar. It's true. Like the unedited, ver- unedited version of this show, every second word out of Jaleesa's mouth and <laughs> oh, F or an S. True. What would you know? Paul edits it. <laughs> hey, just as an aside, I'm glad that they were fine about it because anyone who would be offended by that is an idiot. Like it's crazy the society we live that you can have a clip on TV of someone putting 27 bullets into someone on lethal weapon. And yet sometimes a, a swear word can get everyone all up in arms. Like everyone's got to calm down. There's nothing wrong with it. Oh, well, yeah. Well, they weren't too worried. I was, a li- I was just a little bit mortified at my own unprofessionalism, but you know, I was going to get found out eventually, wasn't I? It's my dream to swear on live radio. So you've got there before me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into all the cricket news. The headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. And, well, we, we haven't really uh, spoken much since Australia's debacle against England that's left us in a difficult situation where Australia has to beat Bangladesh and the West Indies to still have a, a good chance of making the semifinals. Paul, you've been crunching the numbers. You know, Can Australia make it from here? Yeah, we definitely still can. It's looking we're on the sort of on the precipice. We can see the um the the abyss below us, but at this stage um you know, the 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 things that we need to have happen aren't improbable. We have to beat Bangladesh, which we should do in inverted commas. 
we have to beat West Indies, which we should do. And probably England will have to beat South Africa for us, which they should do. So, you know, you can see the pathway towards us making it, but whenever you have a few too many should, shoulds and shoulds, it soon one of them comes comes a cropper and everything falls to pieces. So we can't we can't um, we can't afford to drop one of those games, can we? I think if South Africa were to beat England, that would be a disastrous result for us because then all of a sudden I think it is out of reach. Hold on, I'll get the table up. I'll get this done definitively right as we speak. So, um, assuming that Australia to, to take Jaleesa's question first, assuming that Australia was to win only one of our remaining games we would then go to six. Uh, so, yeah, in theory, we could still make it, but it, what, what it would require would be for England to beat South Africa and for our net run rate to overtake South Africa. So uh, we're at the moment negative 0.6 and South Africa a positive 0.7. So and I when think you say we, we would go to six, that's six points. Six points, six. yes. Yeah. Um, so we'd go to six points. South Africa would go on six points. And it would require us to probably lose the whichever game we're going to lose to lose that narrowly to absolutely thump the other team that we do win and for England to thump South Africa. So if we if we only win one of the two, mathematically we could still make it, but you wouldn't think it was likely. Whereas I think if we do win both of them, um, we would then go to eight. And men, as, as you said, if South Africa were then to beat England, they would also be on eight. England's net run rate is out of out of reach. They're, they're not going to be caught. So we'd then be in that same situation where we'd have had to win our games very, very handsomely. So the, the easiest way is for Australia to win their two games and for South Africa to lose to England. Geez, it's tempting if you're England to just throw a game, isn't it? <laughs> I sent the tweet out about that last night, actually. Um, I mean, it would probably not be the right thing for them to do because it would potentially push them down to second place rather than first or whatever the, the case may be. But um that doesn't really matter, though. It's not like you get a home, you know, semi. Yeah, actually, no, they probably still would finish first no matter what. But um, an English guy replied saying, well, it's probably in, their, in, in England's interest to keep Australia in because uh, they want Australia to be in the semis because if both teams win their semis, they get to play Australia in the final. And that's, you know, basically guaranteed England win. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Markovitz has written to us on Twitter saying he thinks he thinks England may purposely lose their last match. I'm not so sure. I'm sure there's there's zero percent chance of that happening. They wouldn't even contemplate it because no, they wouldn't. They're they, professionals, unlike us. They're pro- <laughs> they're professionals. Plus the uh, who would want to invite such a world of hurt? You know, allegations of not trying all that. It's just not. It's just not worth it. Um, they they wouldn't in a million years consider it. But it's fun <laughs> to talk about though. Yeah, definitely. In between all the expletives on Sunday, Jaleesa, you oh, said you, you said you oh. weren't uh, surprised at Australia's performance against England. No, I wasn't at all. I didn't think that they were going. I mean, England's dominant in T Twenty, and you know Australia is terrible. Like I, I wasn't um, surprised at all. I always thought that this was going to be the game that really showed us up because we should have beat South Africa and um, we should have beat Sri Lanka. We, this was going to be the game that really proved where we were and where we are is not good. Yeah, that's an understatement. I, I don't agree with the, the that it's an understatement, Menas. I think that England are better than Australia at T20 cricket. But, and this, I'm trying to be as objective as I can and look at this as if I was going to have a bet on it. If Australia had won the toss and bowled, we might have won that game. And that sounds idiotic. Um, I have a friend who's a massive West Tigers fan. We were once at, once at a game at Leichhardt that the Tigers lost 54 to nil. And in the car on the way home, he said, you know, that the Tigers had that disallowed try in the first five minutes. If they'd scored that, they would have won. And we said, mate, they lost 54 nil. 
Um, but, but I still made nothing's th- changed for the Tigers in two decades. How do you know it's that long ago? I, I wasn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> it probably it probably was the mid nineties. Um, but um, so I, I think that had Australia won the toss and bowled with uh, Hazelwood and Cummins and Stark on that pitch early on, they might have got just as much life out of it as Wokes and Co did. The fact that. Warner, Smith, and Maxwell, all very, very good players, were really struggling to lay a bat on the ball. And yet later on, when our bowlers were bowling, their batters found it a lot easier, obviously with no pressure on. Um, And I think then you look at the next day, the same thing happened, where if if India had won the toss and put New Zealand uh, and had been able to put New Zealand in, maybe maybe India would have won that game. Now, as I said, Remember, I did say at the start, England are better than us at one day at T20 cricket. So I'm not whinging or complaining or anything. Just looking at it objectively, uh, it's still possible that Australia could go deep in this tournament because the two next games we play are, are afternoon games. The toss shouldn't matter so much. England should beat South Africa. And then, you know, if we happen to get conditions in our favour in the semifinals, we could still find ourselves in the final. It's, it's um, Stranger things have happened. I need you next to my bed every morning, Paul, just to motivate me with that sort of excellent motivational speaking. And I think you're being very kind to Australia's batting there. Don't think the pitch had much to do with Smith's slog across the line or or Maxwell's, you know, playing across the line early. But anyway. So you're saying that Smith and Maxwell and Warner are actually not very good players and that the fact that they uncharacteristically couldn't lay about on the ball, all of them, and they were finding it difficult in between. You know, the first ball that Smith got, he was he reacted visibly as if, whoa, that jumped off a seam. You're saying that all their record up till now is wrong and that, that, um, that the pitch had nothing to do with it. I think, you know, I'm not being um, talking someone up. I'm just trying to be objective about it. You're too pessimistic about it. I... I do think they're very good players, but I think had England batted first, they would have handled the conditions better. But look, that's purely speculative. Uh, I just wonder what Australia's going to do with their team moving forward. So for that game, they went for set seven, sorry, six batters and, and five specialist bowlers with Ashton Agar coming in. I wonder if against Bangladesh on Thursday night, they'll bring back in a batter, say they bring back in Mitch Marsh and then someone misses out. Andrew McDonald, the assistant coach, did seem to indicate something like that, but he it was very vague. But I, I just think that I think they will go back to seven four structure, which I kind of like. Ridic- how ridiculous to get rid of Marsh and then just to bring in Ashton Agar. First of all, what happened to the whole thing of loyalty? We don't change a winning team, blah blah blah. But also then to bring Ashton Agar in for what one over? I'm sure Mitch Marsh could have bowled that one over. I no, just Ashton Agar bowled more. He bowled a little bit more than that. Oh, did he? I thought he only bowled one. He was our best bowler. He didn't bowl a full complement. I think he bowled about. Did he bowl about two? Um, he was. Um, he was probably our second best batter and our best bowler. Uh, Menes I, was saying to Menes was saying to me how you know oh, Agar did nothing. Agar played really well. I thought it. I just didn't didn't see the point in the change. But anyway. I think we need seven batters. I just think it leaves. I think we do way too, too short, and then you have seven batters. And you either have two spinners and two quicks and the all-rounders or three quicks and a spinner. And I would suggest against Bangladesh, we might be better off with the three quicks and a spinner. The interesting thing is going to be that what worked against uh, South Africa and Sri Lanka might well work against Bangladesh and West Indies, but might not work if we were then to, say, place Pakistan in the semi-final. So if, for argument's sake, we do win our next two games and England do beat South Africa... The things things will look quite different then. We'll be on a bit of a, an upbeat curve. We've made it into the semifinals. 
will we then have the um, the nous and the courage to make the change and say, okay, even though Stark might have bowled really well for argument's sake against Bangladesh and West Indies, maybe against the hard-hitting Pakistanis, we're going to pull, pull Stark out of the game because he's going to get smashed around too much. I don't think we would have the guts to make that change, but maybe we, maybe we should. Yeah, if we make it that far. Well, I guess um, just overall on the the T20 World Cup, Pakistan and England are through to the semi-finals. So it's it's really a race for that second position in both groups. Um, so we'll just see New Zealand uh, probably in pole position in the other group and then in our group it's it's a lottery. Well, you know, a lottery between Australia and South Africa. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, going to, it's going to be depending on results, I mean, not <laughs> – not a lottery. No, the lottery applies. You know, there could be a million different results. It's kind of, you know, there's only kind of be two. Yeah. Um, but, um, well, just looking at the chances, the um, obviously now England are definitely the favourites, narrowly ahead of Pakistan. New Zealand are the third favourites. Then South Africa and Australia, narrowly fourth favourites. And that's it. Afghanistan and India are both 33 to 1 chances. And, you know, West Indies are, you know, effectively gone so it's basically a race almost you could say a race in five well thank goodness india have crashed out it's made me feel better about australia's tournament <laughs> i'm stunned i'm stunned at india's start to this tournament they needed to win the toss in the game against new zealand let's hope so no 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 they needed to win the toss in the game against new zealand oh they needed to win the toss yeah. yes um, yeah, they, they have looked timid and they have looked um, exhausted. Um, and I felt sorry for them. And I felt um, the weight of the world on Dirac Coley's shoulders. You, you wouldn't wish that anyone, on anyone to lose two games in a row and be in that situation. But I thought it was brilliant. Oh, I, I, saw, I did that as well. Like, I, 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 can, I can wear both hats. Like, I thought it was, um, <laughs> you know, if we're going to lose, I want someone else to take it down with us. I thought it was brilliant as well. But I could still feel sorry for him. Well, let's keep watching the World Cup. We're going to go live on Friday morning after Australia's big victory over Bangladesh to wrap it up. Jaleesa Apps may join us, Paul. Um, I'll believe it when I see it, but she might join us. You know I have a job. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you don't have got upset when I stopped asking you. Uh, all right, let's um, move on to the loss of three. Before, one, one last thing I'll say is if you do tune in on Friday, Australia has lost. I will finally get off the uh, this sort of um, objection, uh, objective stance I'm taking and saying that Australia is not that bad. You know, I remember once playing a game of table tennis when I was a kid and my dad was watching me against the next door neighbor and I was losing and I started playing, you know, trying to hit every ball for a winner and playing silly shots. And dad said, don't give up, never give up. And I duly lost. And after the last point, when I lost the last point, he looked at me and said, now you can give up. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what I'll be like. I still haven't given up on Australia, but if we go out there and get absolutely belted by, say, Bangladesh, then I will give up and I'll be with you guys calling for mass changes and a, a new format, a new approach and everything else like that. But until that happens, I'm still um, sticking solid. It's a bit unpatriotic of me, but I just really want Pakistan to win. I mean, I, I'd be happy for Pakistan to win if Australia can't. You're saying if, you, if Pakistan was playing Australia, you'd be cheering Pakistan on? A little bit. Well, the only way that would be acceptable is if you'd had money on Pakistan. I think because of we're, I think not, <laughs> yeah, I, I think just because I don't feel like we really deserve to be good at T20, like, great, let's be good at this format we put absolutely no time into. Brilliant. Like, why do we deserve that? So yeah, I, the, I'm going for Pakistan. 
there are times when we do deserve it and don't get it. And so on the yeah, time... I cheer for I cheer for us then. No, but I'm saying it's like when you nick a ball and you get given get given um, not out, and whether you have the question of walking or not. A lot of batters used to defend that by saying, "Well, I don't get to override the umpire when the umpire gets it wrong." I'm saying we probably don't deserve to win this, but there's been other times when we might have deserved to win and didn't. So you kind of, um, but yeah, I hear where you're coming. I, from. I just think it would be a good little shake up for T20 in Australia if we started really like nothing's going to change in t20 in australia in terms of our dedication to it if we won the world cup is it no that's true um but we'd have the consolation of having won the world cup don't care i want to I why, want to why do you want to change um why do you want to shake t20 cricket up in this country if not to win world cups well that well i do but i don't want to win a world cup on the way that we do things at the moment because i don't actually think that would be an accurate reflection of us being the best team in the world I think it'd be awesome. Like we won the World Cup with a test side. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually think the the big thing is whatever happens, they will spend a lot of time and attention on the T20 side just because Australia's hosting the next T20 World Cup. And as we've said on this podcast many times, it's all fine for Australia to lose overseas and get embarrassed because a lot of the population don't see it. But if we were to get towed up in the home World Cup next year, I think that would be seen as a massive failure. So I, I think they will have to spend more time on the T20 side. I certainly Absolute, Absolutely ridiculous that we have another World Cup next year. But anyway. Um, I certainly yeah, I agree with that. But I certainly think that um, it would be great to have our side playing in the way that England does and that you can just know that we stack the side with 11 players who can all bat good bowlers, and then you can go hell of a leather the whole way through. It would be a lot more fun to watch. I agree, yeah. All right, well, Australian Cricket had a really tough week. They lost three distinguished test players. The first player to pass away was Ashley Mallett. He played 38 tests. He took 132 wickets at an average of 29.84, which for a a finger spinner is an incredible record. He's the third uh, he's taken the third most wickets for an Australian off spinner. And yeah, just a very sad loss. Ian Chappell spoke very fondly of Ashley Mallett. And he sort of played before my time. But Paul, do you have any memories? He played before my time as well, um, given I'm younger than you. Um, but um, <laughs> but we started, you started watching cricket before me. That's true. That's I true. have. <laughs> I have to say, Paul, you would have given it to Menace if he said that he had remembered. <laughs> No, but I think like, he actually, Hang on, you didn't start watching cricket? <laughs> he actually, I know for a fact that he played his last test match when Manners and I were two. So I would have, if, if he'd said he remembered him, I would have called that into question very significantly. <laughs> um, oh, I think it comes down to that twenty average of 29. Um, anyone who averages under 30 in test cricket with the ball, that's something they can be extremely proud of. And he obviously had a, a very distinguished journalistic career as well. Yeah, and Dean Chappell made the point that Mallet took his first 100 test wickets in 23 tests, the same as Shane Warne. But then just after that, along came, you know, Dennis Lilly and Jeff Thompson and these, um, this pack of fast bowlers that kind of started taking all the wickets. And I think Mallet had less opportunities, but a huge loss. Then if that wasn't enough, the next day, the great Alan Davidson passed away a formidable player and administrator, a man that made an, an immense contribution to the game. You only have to hear Usman Khawaja speaking at the end of The Shield last week where he paid tribute to Davidson to know what an impact Davidson had on hundreds of young cricketers in this country. And, Paul, his record, it's, it's quite phenomenal. 
yes. Um, he, he's always talked about as the most underrated Australian cricketer ever, and I think that's true. I think he's an all-time great of the game, no matter which way you look at it, from any country. And for all that he did off the field, and th- that's absolutely no doubt true, I think his on-field performances are just extraordinary. If you take, um, if you imagine someone who was a better bowler than Glenn McGrath, uh, and then when they came out to bat, rather than Glenn McGrath coming out to bat and the crowd sort of cheering if he was able to block one, you have a batter of about the ability of Moeen Ali. That's what he was like as a batter. Imagine that cricketer today who was nicknamed, what was he named Claw because he never dropped a catch, and Gary Sobers, who Ian Chappell rates as the greatest batsman he's ever seen, let alone his all-round abilities, always said that Alan Davidson was the one bowler he could never come to grips with and added that um, we kind of didn't mind that he was too good for us because he was such a wonderful guy. I mean, you just don't get much better than that. And the, la- the, 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 the bowling average of 20.5, if you uh, sort of limit it to um, people who took, say, 150 wickets in test cricket, and exclude before World War One when the pitches were very, very different, that is the best, not the top 10. That is number one of all time. Better than, better than McGrath, Ambrose, Marshall, Garner. It's the best. So um, factor in his batting, hard-hitting batter as well. And, yeah, you have one of the very greatest Australian players of all time. Um, and it's, it's a very sad uh, occasion that he's died at age 92. And then... The third former Australian player passed away the next day, Peter Philpot, the former leg spinner who played eight tests for Australia and was a, a much-loved coach of leg spinners right across the country. He coached Shane Warne uh, before Terry Jenner started working with him. And, um, yeah, a big loss. I actually worked with Peter Philpot coaching cricket uh, many years ago, and I have to say I have one dis- distinct memory of him was a rainy day out in uh, Willoughby actually uh, in northern Sydney and we were, it was rainy so we couldn't play and so we were all in this all in this room with about 50 kids and he, he got the kids around the room and he uh, had start and he got them to form a circle around him and he got them all to sit down and he, he got on his knees and he, he got a coach at the other end and he, he started just going through the art of leg spin, like the, the details of angles of your hand position and basically the, the fine minutia of leg spin from leg spin all the way to bowling the wrong. And, and he, he got this ball to fizz and the kids were just captivated. He was such a great speaker. He was so engaging and, and the kids were just wide eyed, almost watching a magician at work, the way he got the ball to talk. And I've never forgotten that day because I've never learned so much about leg spin as I did in that session. And uh, just a wonderful coach and he'll be sorely missed. Yeah, I had his cricket coaching book as a kid. And I think, I think it was in his book that he wrote, you should be practicing any opportunity you get. He said, and uh, leg spin, that is. He said, if you, an orange that you've bowled 50 leg spinners with in your hand before you eat it will always taste better than one that you haven't. Um, just back on Alan Davidson, one thing I forgot to say. Uh, a guy on Twitter sort of said to me, oh, yeah, but back in those days, they, they played a lot more home than away, which when you think about it, doesn't kind of make sense because someone's got to be home and someone's got to be away. But Davidson was actually the opposite of that. He only got to play 24 test matches at home and he played 37 test matches away. That's because during the peak of his career, Australia went four years without playing a home test match. We played 19 away test matches and not a single home one. But here's Alan Davidson's bowling record across each country. And you look at most bowlers and they have some places where they're good and some places where they're not so good. So in Australia, Alan Davidson averaged 21. In 
England, he averaged 25. In India, he averaged 16. In Pakistan, he averaged 25. And in South Africa, he averaged 17 for a career average of 20.53. So there you go. Well, a sad week for Australian cricket. All right, let's move on now to the Ashes update. There's been a bit swirling around in the last 24 hours, but Ben Horn has spoken to former test speedster Mitch Johnson, and Johnson has said, if it was my career and I hadn't played any longer form for a whole year with an Ashes series coming up, I would have been playing a couple of Shield games just to get my body right and get myself into a good rhythm. And so earlier, he's basically said that he thinks Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins should have missed the T20 World Cup to prepare for the Ashes. Uh, What are your thoughts? I guess it, it does sort of display the real difference between Johnson's generation where he got the tail end of T20 cricket and the players now who probably see it as being more important. Well, it's very easy for him to say when you're not faced with that choice. I think it's more of a letdown of Cricket Australia really should have made sure they sort of were bringing up, and I think over the years, should have made sure they were treating them as two different sports because they were always going to clash and they're going to keep clashing and we're keep going to have going to keep having this problem if we keep having the the test side basically also being the t20 side it's going to keep happening and i think that they would never turn down playing for australia that's completely unrealistic and i think he would know that that's unrealistic but i have thought for many months that this is going that the reason i think england is being extremely underestimated is because we won't get any red ball cricket you know just can't I can't imagine a time when we would have gone into the Ashes, particularly a home Ashes, so underdone. I really think it's quite a dangerous prospect for us, but I don't blame the players. Of course, they're not going to pull out of Australian duties. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, the T20 World Cup is more important than the Ashes. And people would say I'm a... A horrible person for saying that, but that's, I mean, I, I like the Ashes more than any other form of cricket, but give me the choice as to whether I want Australia to win this upcoming Ashes series or to win the T20 World Cup. I would, I would pick the World Cup because it's the World Cup. Um, so ridiculous though. I think you'd be, in a, I think you'd be in a massive minority. Well, maybe in Australia I would be, but I wouldn't be. Probably in, a juxtaposition. <laughs> you'd be in a very small minority. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, I think that maybe the, the, there's no other p- country in the rest of the world who, except for England, who would prioritise a bilateral test series over um, over a World Cup. Now, I, I don't need to defend my love of the Ashes. I, you know, I've spent wasted a, a billion hours of my life thinking and watching and reading about the Ashes. But I just, what I like to know is I want Australia to be regarded around the rest of the world as the best cricket nation in the world. And I know that there are hundreds of millions of people in the subcontinent who couldn't care less about the Ashes and will just look at number of World Cups won. And at the moment, Australia has won no World Cups in T20 cricket. Um, so that's kind of where my priorities would be. And I also sort of think we're, we're more likely to win the Ashes than we are to win the World Cup. So it would be more of, a, more of a pleasant surprise. It doesn't detract from the fact that I will look forward to watching the Ashes more. Yeah, I have concerns about Stark's rhythm ahead of the Test Series. I just don't think he's a shoe-in to start that first Test. But I sort of have a lot of faith in Hazelwood and Cummins that they can just probably start 
they can probably cold start like the war the the warm up game between and we'll talk about this in a moment but the warm up game between the two squads that they're going to play I think will be enough for Hazelwood and Cummins but then Stark's performance over the last twelve months his lack of rhythm you'd struggle to pick him without him at least have played some red ball games and you can be confident he'll deliver. I agree. I think that Stark's position in the side it, it should be anything but secure. I think that. If I was a selector, I'd be saying I'll pick him if he convinces me that um, I should he should be picked. But otherwise, um, he's going to be missing the first test. And I, 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 I echo your comments about Hazelwood and Cummins. I'm not so worried about them. Now, Joe Root spoke to the Guardian, and he um, he actually spoke to the Australian media last night at midnight Australian time. I missed that; I was asleep. But uh, Joe Root has said that look at the India team that won at the Gabba. It will give every player in our squad a huge amount of confidence and just plant a little bit of doubt in Australia's mind. And I think he's right. I think that that victory in the Gabba will give England a lot of confidence that it's not impossible to go there and win. It seems to be a very um, common theme among the English cricket side is that they're taking that that series as a anyone-can-do-it kind of Thing because this is not the first time I've heard this. When I was listening to the Zoom with um, Chris Silverwood, the coach, he said the exact same thing. He's like, we've just got to look at that game at the Gabba and what India did to know that we can do the same thing. It just seems to be a real theme that they're just going to harness this pain that we went through last year. And it almost seemed like they didn't think it was possible to win in, in Australia until they saw that. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird. I mean... The uh, how unbeaten Australia were at the Gabba is a factor of the fact that a Australia has beaten almost every side they've played on the whole over the last thirty years. Not always, but usually at home. Secondly, the Gabba is the first Test match, so often sides are caught on the hop. And thirdly, um, it probably the pitch there does favour Australia a little bit more than it does other venues in the country. There's nothing mythical about it, and the notion that India in the final Test match of the series uh, winning it that's great for India, but. Um, England should always have felt that they were a chance of beating Australia there, no more so or less so after the India beat us there. I'm not sure if it was specifically the Gabba that they're harnessing, though, or if it's just that they India was so down and out. They were such a – like they went in really with their C-grade team and nobody thought that they could win. I backed them. And then I, so I think, they're, I think they're just harnessing more that, that feeling of even when you think you can't, Australia aren't really that good. That's what they're, that's what they're kind of – getting at they're like they're not they're not as good as they think and they're right and then no they're i think not- australia I, I i think australia's still pretty good they're still pretty good but i think that's what they're harnessing yeah we're top five in the world for sure or maybe uh, like even top four but i no think in australian like. conditions we're still the best obviously we'd lost to india and so they if it was boxing india would hold it here but i think if there was a a test series starting tomorrow in australia um involving india australia would start as favorites but I guess looking at sort of the summers, I mean, Australia have lost three of the last five home summers or six. We lost to South Africa in, what, 16, 17. We won the Ashes, then we lost to India, won and lost to India. So every time a good side comes out here, they beat us, apart from England. Well, I did say good side. Um, all right. The next bit of cricket news is it seems like we're going to have, uh, this is for Ashes news, uh, 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 another um, Squid Games type um, face-off. Um, that what we the saw hell before is that? the 2019 Ashes. There'll be a. Um, I don't know Australia, what it is either. I know it's a show, but 
I don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't know it's... what it means either. I'm so lost. Can you put it, it in a rugby league like analogy it's... so that Jaleesa and I can understand? <laughs> All right. Um, so one, yeah, uh, I can't actually. <laughs> <laughs> I literally can't. Well, like Roosters A are playing Roosters B. Um, no, so Australia's going to have. <laughs> okay. So it's going to be Australia versus Australia A effectively, like we saw before the Ashes in 2019 in England. And after that intra-squad game, they're going to pick the final Ashes squ- squad for the Gabba. So it will be a bit of a face-off um, uh, and I haven't announced the dates yet because they're waiting to see when Australia gets eliminated from the World Cup to schedule it. But that could be a really interesting game when you think about, say, the opening position. You could have yeah. Kawaja, um, Harris. You could even have Pekovsky, who's been ruled out, ruled out of the next Shield game but might be available for that. You could have, like, four openers battling for the one spot. You'll have the middle-order players. So, yeah, that's going to be a real uh, good one to watch. For sure. I mean, the one in England was really exciting, especially because it was on a, a really difficult surface. And that was where Marnus Labashain kind of um, foisted himself into the side. Um, but I think that um, oh, it's so sad that Pekovsky's missing this next Shield game, that his concussion symptoms are lingering. Uh, if he can get through at that game, and I, I, I wouldn't ever need, need him to score runs in that game. As long as he's healthy, he's still who I would be picking as my opener in the first test or yeah, in, the, in, the, in the top six in any position. Same. I like him in the middle order now. I think that's the best spot for him. All right, moving on to the domestic cricket action and the WBBL is continuing. We're halfway through and the top four as it stands, the Melbourne Renegades on top, Brisbane Heat second, Sydney Sixers third, Melbourne Stars fourth, but all the teams are between five and 11 points, so not a lot between them. Uh, I've really enjoyed it so far, and I just pulled up the top six Top seven run scorers from the competition so far. Because Grace Harris, who I think deserves a shot in Australia's T20 side, then Mignon Dupree, Harmon Precourt, and Jamima Rodriguez in that top seven. Uh, so, you know, we're seeing the impact of the overseas players They're having a great impact. Least Perry, seventh on the list of top run scorers, strike rate of 90, well below the rest of them. But yeah, loving the WBBL. It's, it's hard to pick much between the teams at the moment. So, yeah, enjoying that. Then there were three Shield results last weekend. Hello, we got some results in the Shield. Western Australia beat South Australia. Victoria beat New South Wales. Queensland beat Tasmania. And there were hundreds to Kawaja, Hanscom, Harris, Renshaw and Labashane. Nick Maddinson, who should not be forgotten, I yes. still think is a, a massive option for Australia. Agree. Order. He's a like-for-like replacement with David Warner when he retires. He was the player of the match for his 87 because he came to the crease on the first day on a difficult wicket with the New South Wales bowlers all over the Victorians, and he just cut loose. Fearless Maddinson, love it. So I keep an eye on him. And then Paul Dennett mentioned Joel Paris recently. Well, five for 63 for WA, Sean Abbott six for 38. So if you're a test selector you'd be really happy that the players that are around the test squad are actually performing. Sean Abbott in particular, I just think is someone that could be a really good weapon for Australia uh, later in, uh, in the Ashes series, because I think, you know, we're going to do that rotation policy with the bowlers and everything. I think he could really come into play there. Yeah, he could. And of course, um, 
there'd actually be some debate. He'd end up batting at eight, but there'd be some people who say he should bat at seven or probably ahead of Payne because his batting form in the last couple of years as well yes. has been superb. Um, yeah, Paris, it's really good to see. He got, he got a few runs in that game as well. He's a very handy batter too. If I was a selector, I'd be saying to him, listen, if you can string a few games together to prove your fitness, we have got you in mind at some point for maybe even the Ashes of 2023, if not sooner. Um, he's slowly becoming one of my favourite players, even though because he's so injured, I haven't seen very much of him, but his record is so good. Um, I agree with you, Nick Menners, about Maddinson. Uh, it's up to me. I'm sort of, uh, I've got Maxwell penciled in for number five in the in the Ashes, but if I didn't have him, I'd have Maddinson. Yeah, I like him a lot. And I like actually Paris as a good like-for-like replacement for Stark in terms of adding variety to the attack, you know. Mm. You got a left armor in there. So yeah, lots to like about the shield. That all continues this week. All right, let's take a break. Um, we'll be back with a viewer mail in a sec. And just want to let you all know great news that we now have all our extra premium content on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to Cricket Unfiltered Plus. And um, you can get Mena's Masterclass and Dennett's Deep Dive there. So if you're a, an Apple phone user, it's really easy. If you're not, head to Patreon for all our premium content. I was right up till about um, two in the morning last night, finishing off my episode four of the um, on Bill O'Reilly. Uh, that'll be available in the next couple of days to our premium subscribers. If you haven't subscribed, um, listen to it uh, because... Uh, it's not very hard to make it good because it's such a good story. Um, so it's it's a great story, not because of me, but because of the amazing rise to the top from Bill O'Reilly. It's really good. Yeah, terrific. And I've got one of my favourite cricketers from the 90s coming into the studio tomorrow for a Men's Masterclass. Is uh, it Warney? No, it's another spin bowler. Donny, Donny. <laughs> All right, we'll be back after. Yeah, I'd love to get Warney in here, Jaleesa, if you can sort that out for me, that'd be great. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he's. He'll take my calls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Probably would. All right, we'll be back with viewer mail. All right, you're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Paul, do you have the notes in front of you? Yep. Do you want to read out this email from Washington, D.C., from Zach? Oh, my God, thank God. I thought that was a test because I didn't have the notes. I thought you were going to be like, <laughs> and you, Jaleesa? It's not a test because I know you don't have them, so you never do. So. This is from Zach, new to the cricket. Uh, with it, I understand Australia to be one of the better fielding teams and place more focus on that than other sides. England had some positioning that took the same and positioning was as well thought out. Where is Australia on that as much? If they don't hit, does it even matter? To me, it seemed as if it really did with England taking wickets in the field. That's from Zach, who describes himself as a curious US cricket fan. And for Big M, my wife is a diehard Boston fan. And he's in Washington, D.C., USA. Um, I think, Zach, that um, England probably do put more thought into their fielding positions but Australia is a naturally more athletic fielding side than any other side still. Other sides have gone close to catching them, but I still think that Australia are faster and stronger, only just from sides like England, but I still think there's a bit of a gulf between England and India. But what Australia will never do, at least so far, is actually put too much analytical thought into their fielding because Australian cricket culture rejects that. It rejects that as the, the notion is we are just better at other nations 
than other nations at cricket. We will never actually intellectually approach the game and try to improve it that way. We'll just beat you through um, our physicality. And there's a, a, there's a suspicion of anyone who, who pays too much attention to analytics, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think as well, when a team's playing good T20 cricket or a bowler's bowling well, they bowl well to their field. So it, it looks like it's the fielders are in the right spot uh, because it's sort of well thought out and the plans are being executed. Whereas when you're bowling badly, uh, you know, the captain's always trying to follow the ball around the field. So it, you do look much worse than when you're bowling well. So, yeah, I, I, I can see that take. Were you saying something to yourself, did I? No, I just was agreeing with you. That was a very good point. Good. Thank you. All right. Next email from Dave Johnson. Hey, Menners, just watching the England versus Sri Lanka game. Note, I note in over six to 10, there was very little of the intent that Morgan points out as England's overt strength. My comment would be that any team that loses three wickets in the power play results in the batter shutting up shop for quite a few overs. England is no different. Perhaps it is easy to bat flat out when wickets are in hand and you are flying, as in the game versus Australia. Thanks for putting that in, Dave. Uh, but when wicket pressure is on, any team has to consolidate. Fair there point. must be go on. No, I was just saying fair point. Go on. And then he says that that must be the key with Australia going forward. Maybe they need to bust a gut to manufacture three wickets in the power play somehow to force that nervous shutdown and drop the run rate so they don't get out. Clearly, what he's saying. I mean, it's well stated in, in T20 cricket. If you lose three wickets in the power play, you're stuffed. I mean, the stats point that you lose most of those games. Um, mm. I think it's easy, though, when you've got a player like Butler out there who can accelerate so quickly. Like, I don't think I don't think Australia has many players that can do a Butler and just go nuts like that, apart from probably Maxwell. Finch can't do that anymore. I'm not sure Warner can. Smith definitely can't. Yes, he can. Maybe, Maxwell and Stoinis, Wade, and that's it. So, yeah, I see his point. Um, what do you think, Paul? Well, I think that England generally try to keep on playing that way, and sometimes it's harder to do that in a World Cup. And I think also that they probably assessed the conditions and knew that they were um, – it wasn't an, it wasn't a good pitch to bat first on, and they probably just were a bit um, pragmatic and realised this is not a pitch where we need to get 200 Let's not um, try to get 200 and blow ourselves up. Let's just um, do the smart thing. And they did, and um, that was a phenomenal 100 by Butler. Boy, when he's going, he's impressive to watch. All right, that was the viewer mail. Thank you to Zach and Dave for writing in. Please keep them coming all through the summer. All right, let's get into Can't Let It Go. Speaking of letting go, unfortunately, Jaleesa has just dropped off the call. Another technical disaster for her. But Paul and I, ever the professionals, are still here. We'll bring this show home. Paul, my Can't Let It Go is, and it's not going to be as impactful as Jaleesa, not now that Jaleesa's gone. But, um, you know, I'm on an island when it comes to getting guests for this podcast. Every week I put in, well, I actually haven't stopped for a reason, but most weeks I put in, anyone want to guess this week? And all I get back is Tim Payne question mark um, <laughs> to have on the show. Well, I'm still working on having Tim Payne. I'm still working on it. Yeah, well, I think that Jaleesa and I just like talking to you. The three of us have a good time. Oh, clearly. Um but, yeah, the update from Cricket Australia is they're going to try and make pain happen in the next couple of weeks. So oh, that'll be pretty crossed. cool. Yeah. Keep, keep in tune for that. What's you your looking? can't let it go? All right. Uh, just one little thing that I find a little bit strange. I sent out a, a – I got a tweet last night um, 
and the guy sort of said, oh, England cricket would never do a favour, particularly with people like Warner and Smith in your side. And I just thought to myself, it is a little bit incongruous to me that when Ben Stokes was announced as being fit and ready for the Ashes, with one exception, every Australian that I encountered said, that's fantastic. Um, it's going to be uh, a great addition to the side, to the, to the summer. It's good that his um, finger's better. It's good that his health is, mental health is better and it'll be great to have him. And that's exactly what I feel. I'm really pleased that he is going to be up there. I don't understand why, though, that some fans seem to sort of still hold it against Smith and Warner, yet are sort of happy to let go what, what Stokes did. I mean, yes, Stokes was found not guilty of a fray in court, but he still got fined £30,000 by the ECB and suspended for eight months. And I just think that the, um, the actions in that video of him, the punches that he threw, um, that is so much worse than anything that Warner or Smith ever did that um, it just seems weird to me that some English fans can be totally fine with Ben Stokes in the side, yet still hold a real grudge against Warner and Smith. I cannot understand that. And as I said, I'm delighted that Stokes is out here. I've got no grudge against him. Uh, I just find it very strange. It is a strange sort of double standard, isn't it? I also wonder what's going to be thrown at Ben Stokes this tour because it's the first Ashes tour in Australia since that incident in the nightclub. and Not much. I'm not going to say anything to him. <laughs> no, it won't be us. It <laughs> <laughs> won't be like backing up. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Stokes. <laughs> yeah. Be the most polite Australian fans he's ever seen. Don't punch yeah. me. Please don't punch me. <laughs> you bowled really well. Um, all right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening to this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. I've just got a note from Zoom. We're recording this on, and Jaleesa was chucked off for repeated bad language. So, <laughs> um, sorry about that, everybody. Hopefully, she'll be back next week if she can get permission. Paul, enjoy the cricket. We'll catch up Friday morning to review Australia's game against Bangladesh. Should be a thumping win. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. <laughs> On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.